When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm ambitious. I have a hope that I will not allow my fear of going away for a minute keep me from saying no when I really want to say no, simply by virtue of the fact that as a woman who's over 45, I fear that if I'm not like dancing as fast as I can every moment, that I'm going to be forgotten about. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. Sarah Paulson is not only an exceptional actress. Have you seen her as Linda Tripp? She is an exceptionally good chat. Hey, Paulson. Yeah. Guess what? Your eyebrows look great. They're growing, but I've also... Yeah, can you explain to me? Where are we with these? I've painted yeah? them in. Yeah, nice, 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 nice. But are they coming? Are they making a comeback? They're making a comeback, they're but it's not... It's slow going, slower going than what I was hoping Let's put it that way. It, there's like a, yeah, you can see there's it's paint. No, but it looks appropriately feathered. Well done, my feathered friend. I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to, Christy strike, I'm trying to. Oh, God. Speaking of things that took a long time, I'll say welcome to Ladies First, Sarah Paulson, in which we interview ladies who are first in what they do. Guess what? Oh, I'm, I'm one of those ladies? Yeah, yeah, you're one of those. First in what you do, because you're so bloody clever and you're really good at acting. And we'll get to that. We had dinner, I think it was about last January, before the end times. And you were about to take on the role of Linda Tripp in Impeachment American Crime Story. And you were, if I, as I recall, being like, all right, I've got to put on 15 pounds or so. So I'm ordering the pasta or whatever it was. And you were just like, here I go. And that was January 2020. It was 30 pounds. Yes, because we were supposed to start in March of 2020. And obviously, you know what happened in March of 2020 was the whole world started to shut down. But I had started to gain the weight in November of 2019. And then we didn't shoot for March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. October. I started in October. So that was um, that was uh, that was an experience. Well, I think what's what what interests me many things interest me about you, <laughs> but, um, is your commitment. You are one of the most committed. Do you like to say actress or actor? Do you care? I don't care. Should I care? Can I just say actress? To... No, can I just say actress? You can just say you can call me a dope on a rope, and that's fine with me. I mean, I've never seen a more committed dope on a rope. Than you. <laughs> the way you cling to that rope, that dopey yeah. expression. You are beyond committed as an actress, but you have a lightness to you that often those who are as committed do not have. And an ease to you and a sociability to you that is a surprise when you think about like, you know, not that you're Daniel Day-Lewis learning to become a cobbler unless you have in fact done that. Listen, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have become a cobbler. Can you imagine? Next role. I mean, no disrespect to Daniel Day-Lewis, who is arguably our greatest actor. 
I did not become a cobbler for this part. <laughs> I ate some cobbler, but I didn't become a cobbler. Tell me about the first time you felt that you were really, really committed to a role, if it were physically or in terms of your time, or was one that you were like, okay, I'm girding my loins for this? I think I think I did a little bit for Marsha, but Holland keeps talking to me about the difference between the two experiences. And of course, she watched it from a different perspective. When I think back on it, I think I was extremely dedicated to sort of try to capture the way she walked or how Marsha Clark always tilted her head to the side when she was talking to the jury or to talking to anybody. She had this thing with her head that she did. But I don't think I have ever done what I did or attempted to do as Linda, partly because she moves very differently than I do physically. And that was something that I had to work with someone. It was the first time I, I'm, I'm doing something with Emmy Rossum. We're developing something together and she's playing Angeline, you know, right. talk about a transformation. I mean, I'm telling you, she's, it's going to be a, a real exquisite thing to behold. But she was working with this woman named Julia Crockett who, and she said, we were talking about something else. And she said, well, are you working with a movement person? And I felt so instantly like, wait, is that like a thing? I've never done. She's like, wait, you've never worked with a movement person? And I was like, um, no, I just, I don't. As well, I don't know. But, and, you know, if you listen to all those people well, in the crowd. Just act, dear boy. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. That Dustin Hoffman thing, right? That's mm-hmm, a famous story. Mm-hmm. But all those chaps and ladies on uh, the crown all worked with movement teachers. Right. And she just mentioned to me that that's what she was doing. And I said, can I steal your gal? And because they weren't going to shoot right. because of COVID. So, and she was pregnant. And so I had her gal with me to help me. Tell me about this one, and it's fun. It's interesting because I was lucky enough to see a screening of impeachment about right. a month ago with yeah. you guys, and I was just so itching for everybody to see it. And obviously, everybody's started watching it as of last week. There's a particular scene where, as Linda, number one, you're Linda Lumber. That's what I would call it. I'm sure that's what you were going for with the movement coach, just a technical <laughs> term, was something to really behold. But there's a scene where a lady in the White House office kind of disses you, and you've been history now you've been fired and you're walking out with your box of goods you know your stereotypical I've been fired box she says something to you and you stop with your back to the camera you drop the box and you turn around and I gotta tell you in that screening room there was an audible gasp <laughs> there was a, oh! <laughs> here she comes <laughs> how does that moment feel when you're doing that and obviously it's going to be writ large later but when you're dropping that box and turning around. How does it feel? It's so interesting because Ryan, it was not scripted that I do that. That was a Ryan thing. And that was just, he's done that to me a couple of times. He did it as Marsha Clark, right when I walk in the courtroom and I have that new haircut and I'm Mm -hmm. very embarrassed because Judge Ito comments on it and makes me feel really humiliated. And Mm -hmm. it was scripted that I was supposed to burst into tears. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I did it on the first take because Ryan gave me this incredible note. And he did the same thing here where he said, I want you to gather your stuff and walk down the hall and you think it's done. And she says something really horrible. Elizabeth Reeser, who's a wonderful actress and a very good friend of mine who plays Kathleen Willey, she says in response to my saying, I know a lot about what the president's doing. And she says, the president has no idea who you are. And that I think for Linda is sort of the crux of the proverbial biscuit because this idea that she is so completely invisible to so many people and her place of work is so important to her and she has so much respect and reverence for it. And they just, they don't care if she's there. They don't see that she's an asset in any way. And so out of her being injured, 
from that comment, I think it just sends her blood boiling. So it was one of those moments where when it happened at first, I said to Ryan, like, you really want me to like put the box down and turn around like a, you want me to put it down? And he's like, yeah, I want you to put it down. And then, you you know, so it's just one of those funny things where on paper, it was not like that. And he wanted me to do it. And then when I saw it, I was like, ooh, woo. You know, sometimes there are very bizarre things that happen when you're acting and it doesn't happen often. But when it does, where you're sort of not in your own body and you're sort of floating above something while you're doing it. So I had no idea of the impact of that moment until I saw it. Saw it. Because you can conjure up that anger because that's what, to my point with you. I don't think you lurk. Look, I'm not having been on a set with you. I don't think you lurk around set all day if, you're, if you've got a hard scene, right? So how, how do you sort of click yourself in? I think it's every job is different. Every job is different. But with this one, I truly, it was about, I had never worked so much from the outside in before. It's always usually the reverse for me. Even though Julia Crockett and I start, some of what we were doing was like, why does Linda walk like this? What You know, this idea of her nose being forward because she's always sort of, there's always something to suss out. And her nose is the first thing that moves. And the collapse in the chest, which we tried to separate, you know, the White House walk was a little bit more prideful and a little bit more head up and not quite as collapsed. And by the time she's at the Pentagon where she's been so cast aside and she's sort of miserable and makes a lot of people in her office's lives. You know, a lot of people, it's just funny, this is just tangential, but there were some people who like, I think they don't know that there were, we had all these emails, access to these emails of like complaints that people made about Linda at work at the Pentagon. And so like some of the things that are incorporated in the show are taken from these people who wrote to the boss there saying she leaves early, she's always in a bad mood, there's this air of self-importance. So some of this just comes directly from people who work there who didn't know they were giving us this insight, but who did. What a legacy. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we just were thinking about how to convey what we saw in the video. There was so much video of Linda leaving her home and coming back into her home because the paparazzi were camped on her. And they're, you know, you don't really hear her talk a lot, but they swarm her and you could see her walk and try to dodge people. And she had this kind of like, just kind of collapsed in the chest. And so, of course, being an actress, I was like, well, it was probably because her heart is broken. And so, you know, we were doing all these things that either people notice or they don't when they watch these things. And that's all fine. But for me as an actor, it was probably the, the first time in my working life where there was a kind of immersion that happened from the outside in that made it really hard to say goodbye to when we were done, which hasn't even been that long. We haven't even it hasn't been that. because you've been filming this for 17 years. What does success mean to you? And especially, you know, look, you're getting people raving about you in this role, but like how much does that mean? You know, what sort of ego do you have when something is going out into the world? Again, this, I keep talking about Marsha Clark, but only because it was the most game-changing situation for me as an actress. I had been working and making a living perfectly happily, and the Marsha Clark thing changed everything in terms of opportunities I had, in terms of interest in me. It was just totally different, but it was so unexpected. I think even I, when I read it or when I heard the announcement of the OJ and John Travolta's playing Shapiro and Courtney Vance and <laughs> this newcomer, Sterling K. Brown, which is so funny to think about now. Yeah, yeah, right. I was like, could this be the joke of the Western world? Like, this could go so wrong. You know, this could be really hokey and it's Wigs McGillicuddy and it's just all kinds of stuff. And so the response, it was nothing I had prepared for. Now, when you go into this, which has become a franchise and won the Emmy for Outstanding Limited Series, now you sort of enter into it going, oh, God, I hope this isn't the one that just thuds on the ground like a rock. 
And I think it's more complicated because there's a political element to it. Yeah. So I think and, in terms and, and of real people who are here and real people and who are here and have opinions. So I don't know. I think success to me, I definitely knew there was a shift with Marsha. But I do think often about how I didn't really enjoy it when it was happening. I felt so uh, like a like a babe in the woods. It was just like, what is this? I don't know how to. I di- I didn't I didn't I still don't. Sometimes I I I can't kind of believe that happened. And I do often worry that like that was the only time that it's ever going to have been a thing, and that Isn't I probably that will mad? never I will never achieve anything that will be that well regarded. Because there have been some critics of this show and of my performance that were really hurtful to me, and I haven't talked about this at all this show because. Now. It's, yeah, this show now. There's been a lot of, don't get me wrong, but a lot of people, lovely, lovely, lovely things, and it's been wonderful. But there is there is a thing that happened with this where I know what I did internally. I know what I did physically. I have a new awareness of what my contribution to the piece was that I am proud of. The thing that happened that was the most extraordinary thing was that Alison Tripp, who is Linda's daughter, has only seen one episode, and she makes this very clear in this article that she did in Vanity Fair. And I have been sort of living in fear that this was not going to go well with her family, and I do, you know, and, and it's hard. But Alison was so sweet and said that she was going to show it to her children and that she wished her mother could see it because there was so much care, you know. And I thought, well, this is all that matters to me. Now, granted, she may see the rest of the episodes and be like, well, never mind. And then it all won't matter. Episode two, (laughs) down. But, you know, it was very meaningful to me. But the truth is, success used to be so, because I was chasing it for so long, just somebody to pay attention and somebody to say, you, I pick you, get up off the bench, get on the field. And then they did. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to process it, which is not very original. I think that happens to a lot of people. But now I have this newfound respect for my own opinion, which I have never really given much weight or merit to comparatively. Now I feel like what matters to me is what do I think of the work I've done? What does Holland think of the work I've done? What does my best friend think of the work I've done? And that has never been on the table before for me. And I don't know if that's my age sort of meeting a moment where I've done something that's the most challenging thing I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being and, and allowing like the permissibility of pride is like, I think as women in particular, this idea of being, and I've been guilty of it myself, you know, when a, when a woman comes in the room and they're confident and they feel good about what they've done or they have a point of view and they have not a f- fear in the world of sharing it. I think as women, particularly, we often are like, oh, well, She's confident. Oh, she's ambitious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's ambitious. You know, confidence and ambition when when spoken about men is considered to be, is heralded as, as an attribute you want to foster. But in women, it can be seen as such an unattractive quality to thought of only pejoratively. It's so wrong. I was talking to an Oscar-winning actress for an interview, lovely lady, Australian. I was saying, what are you most proud of? And she shied away. She's got all the things. And she said, I don't like the word pride. It's got too much ego in it. And I was like, oh, being proud doesn't mean you're an asshole. I think some of this is how we've been raised. It's a cultural story that we've all subscribed to, that a lot of our parents subscribe to. And so when you start to like move around inside that and challenge that thought for yourself, you do have that very thought right behind you. Like, oh, that's too egoic to think I'm proud of what I did. And it's like, I would hope that there could be some way of of shape-shifting this idea of pride 
an accomplishment simply by, I mean, as you say, and jokingly, like I've been doing this thing for almost two years. It's done now. I'm proud. (laughs) I accomplished something. It's over. You know, it is a very funny thing how very quick we are to sort of go, ooh, she's proud. To shy away. And it's like, no, we, we earn ownership. That's what we earn. How do you use the influence you've earned now in terms of choices or in terms of working with people you've always wanted to or not working or whatever? I think right now, the new idea for me, the thing that seems utterly revolutionary is for me to take a break. Somebody asked me once, like, what's your hobby? And I was like, my hobby, my hobby is sleep, sleeping. Uh, They're like, nope, that's a necessity. I was like, um, my hobby is, and I just was like, I don't, I actually think I have a dearth of yeah, but also, but if you look, I, I, I sort of, I don't really. Well, I answer that as question kind of the same because I feel like if your work is sort of your hobby, if you're lucky enough to do something you really love, and you can go through many, many iterations, you go, you play all of these different people and all of these different things. So you don't necessarily need to go home and make a pot. Yes, <laughs> or weave a basket or something. Which boy, I wish I could, but I know that's why you're a failure. <laughs> so, um, but that's you know. So, what are you ambitious for? Um. I'm ambitious for, so interesting, I want to continue to be challenged and to continue to be fearless in terms of what I was speaking about before of not worrying about what is thought of about my choices or my take on something and doing things that are more about creatively stimulating myself and learning from other people who I revere and try to steal all the things that they do and (laughs) pretend that they're my own gifts naturally. (laughs) You know, I am ambitious to work. Well, I want to work with Wes Anderson. I want to work with Spike Jones. I want to sort of lose myself in these other uh, worlds where someone has a, a real point of view and you can be there as a director's little puppet that's not a good that's not a good description but it would be nice to really be (laughs) nice to be a sock puppet I don't know I'm, I'm ambitious I have I have a hope that I will not allow my fear of going away for a minute keep me from saying no when I really want to say no simply by virtue of the fact that as a woman who's over 45 I fear that if I'm not like dancing as fast as I can every moment that they're I'm going to be forgotten about and you know, you know, you lose your currency so quickly and all these words that get bandied about that I think are there just to sort of puncture your soul and keep you operating at a place of fear. So I have ambition to release my hand around the the fear ball and just let it be what it's going to be, you know, not try to control so much. Isn't it funny when just to, just to generally be calm can be an ambition? I don't know what that is. Laura. I know. <laughs> What is calm? But you know what? What I mean? is just calm? To and it's hard right have now. Have perspective so and to be sanguine and to say no and to get not get out of bed if you don't want to. It is tricky when it's like oh, over forty five. Then, but I think obviously I do think that's changing. But we have all all the equity we've built up to this point does not go away, you know. And it's, look, same thing in magazines. Magazines are the first things to convince you of fashion that if you're not in it, you're not in it anymore. Right. But guess what? Right. You are because you own things up until this point. It's your little house that you live in it that you made with all your stuff filled with Linda Trip boxes. <laughs> hey, 
everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. I'm chatting with a spectacular actress, Sarah Paulson, and chatting and chatting. Tell me one thing before I do this thing called 10 first. What would be, now you're going to take some time off, what would be your ideal day? Just for you, honey. Just for you. Oh, just for me, honey. Well, I got a second dog. I haven't posted her yet. I was going to say, because I only know dog number Yeah, dog you know a. Winnie. You know dog number know one. Winnie. Um, yeah. And they have started to fall in love with one another. So like my, I know this is so stupid, but perfect day to me would be just being with them all day and running them on the beach because Winnie loves nothing more than to run on the beach. I've never seen a more happy creature than this dog with sand in her eyes and in her nose and her tongue is hanging out. And she just, it's just her joy thrills me to no end. And I would love to read a book and I would like to have a drink and I would like to take a bath and I would like to just, I don't know, be a person. Because you're a rever. You're, you're, you have a revving engine. I do have a revving engine. And it's hard to turn it off sometimes. But when it turns off, we'll be like, has anybody talked to Sarah lately? <laughs> okay. First, it's called ten, 10 Firsts. Okay. It's really hard. I'm worried about failing. I mean, what does that say about me? Can you release your ball of whatever was in your hand? Yeah, I don't know. Paging Dr. Freud. I mean, I'm afraid of failing. Yeah, because again, Sarah Paulson, abysmal failure. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Um, your first drink order. Tequila, fresh lime juice, equal parts shaken vigorously, ice chips floating in a martini glass. I have seen this. <laughs> and it's so icy and so chippy and so perfect. I want it to look like the Titanic in there, like is right in there. That's like, and that's where they actually found it. <laughs> that's where they okay. found it. And then you, yeah. But, you know, this one, honestly, loves to have a like, real sense of occasion you always have. Like, I'm going out. I'm going out for dinner. And I'm going to have a dinner. Okay. First thing you do when you wake up? Uh, kiss my dog. She's in the bed with me. That's the first thing that happens. Both of them? Well, the, the littlest one is still in the crate. We're crate training. But the other one, the one I've had for about a year and a half now, she gets the morning kisses. And where's Holland? Uh, she's sometimes there. <laughs> sometimes I say good morning to her. If she's there, it's always good morning. And then we're sort of both marveling over the dog. We're obsessed with this app, Snore Lab, it's called. And you can record your snoring and you can see what you're doing. And some nights, you know, there's nothing. But other nights, it's really terrifying. But my favorite is when you can hear it. I haven't turned it off yet. And we're greeting the dog. And you just hear both of us like, good morning. I said, yes. Yes. Oh. And then it's just. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And it's just like, it's so funny. It's really, good morning, Winnie. And then you'll hear her yawn. It's just really, like, it's so cute. It's like, it's, it's good morning, lobotomies. Like, good morning, lobotomies. And then I listen to the sound of the snoring, and sometimes it's, it's usually Holland. It's me sometimes. I'm going to say, is it true horror? Okay, that's no. nice. It's, 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 I think they're like a morning flagellation. Okay. <laughs> First person you call. Ever? Always? Traditionally? No, just like a go-to if it was good news, bad news, otherwise. 
Amanda Pete. Friends since 90... What year? Uh, when was Jack and Jill? Ooh, 98? That was, uh, 99? No, 98? that was 1967. <laughs> it was not. How dare you? Dare you. How very dare you. <laughs> very dare you. I watched her baby come out of her body. I saw it happen. Her eldest child, Frankie, was in the room. That baby came out. Like We're friends like that, you know? Like I, there, There's no stone unturned. Do you know what I mean? There was a stone. You turned a stone no, and the baby no, came out. No, I'm just out. saying there's not a single thing was about it. behind it. a big Game of Thrones gate and the yes. baby just came yes. out? Yes, 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 yes. And it went, hold on, hold on. And hold then on, the baby came on. out. That wasn't even a twinkle in anyone's eye at that point, right? I mean, Game of Thrones wasn't even on. Now See look at mean? y'all. Look at y'all yeah. fancy. Fancy. Okay. Um, first joke you remember. Oh, my first joke I remember? Like from a from a kid or like one I actually remember? Uh, either or both. But it's a dirty joke. Great. Okay. Uh, how many psychologists does it take to uh, change a light bulb? How many? Two. One to hold my cock. My mother. The latter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kid's one. What was the other that's one? The <laughs> one to hold my cock. My mother. The latter. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. I mean, do you, have to, do you have to bleep that out or do we get to have it? No. Fuck no. Oh, great. Okay. Great. Um, first, <laughs> <laughs> okay. First and most recent fashion splurge. But the first fashion splurge when you thought you had made it and you really had it going on. I did buy the Oxblood Balenciaga bag that was a, a biggie. It was not the little crescent guy. It wasn't that. No, that was a Fendi baguette. Whatever that little. Mm-hmm. Had the fringes I, on it though? I had the fringe. Yes, it did. And it was it was like ox blood and it was amazing. And I carried that bag till it just about, just about split at the seams. Did you prance about with it? Oh, yes. In my Juicy Couture pink terry cloth sweatpants that, you know, I can't even believe that I would wear them out. It's just a shock. They looked good on my butt, though, so I was just willing to do just about anything for the butt. I think I remember this because I we were doing picture research for you and Amanda for that Q&A did with each other. Yes, I, there's a picture of us walking down the street. That's correct. And I kept sending to the, them to you just randomly during the day. <laughs> That's correct. And That's you're right. welcome. That's right. <laughs> Most recent fashion spot or hot, hot fashion look? I bought a pair. Well, I mean, I think it accounts. I bought a pair of Irene Neuwirth earrings that are little huggies with diamond uh, engraved. They're horses. They're, they're one of a kind. They're little horse heads. Sounds creepy, but it's not. They're diamonds in sure. the shape of a horse. <laughs> and I purchased them for myself. I like to buy Irene stuff because even though she's a friend, I don't know. I love buying stuff from people that you actually know. And you do talk about that. As, speaking of your sense of occasion, you do talk about with that with things you buy. You're like, no, yeah. actually, I've earned that. I want that. I'm going to buy that. Yeah, that's right. What are you going to do with, with it? you got to reward yourself. You're gonna, not going to stick know. it in a box. Okay. No. First time you owned your shit. First time I owned my shit. Or when you just remember something seminal. It's so funny because, and this is going to make me sound like self-congratulatory, that's never been a... a tender spot for me. Right. I've been pretty good about that in my life of saying that was me and it's about my this and that. And, you know, I'm pretty good at that. So that's why nothing stands out because, because I do it all the time, Laura. I'm really good at it. Okay. Wow. You're really so, good at it. I'm just, I just own I'm everything I'm just evolved. I'm very evolved. If I, if I fuck up, I'm very good at saying it was me. And if it's you, I'm very happy to tell you it was you also. Okay. But you'll never tell me that. All right. Um, and you never have. <laughs> Okay. 
first thing you eat or do when you're stressed off your head? What do I eat when I'm stressed off my head? I'm not a chocolate person. Mm, I like potato chips. I like a pepperoncini kettle chips. You gotta live. First thing you turn on TV? For a long time, it was Rachel Maddow. I don't turn the television on. When Holland is not at my house, I never turn on the television. Holland is much more into turning on the television. Here we are even at the hotel. And she was like, let's just see what's on. And I was like, let's see what's on. Like, what? I, I don't know that like flipping channels and seeing if something strikes your fancy and you're midway through the movie. Holland is totally fine with that. I don't play that game. So the first thing I it was Rachel Maddow for a long time. And now I'm very big into watching The Flight Attendant. I got really into watching The White Lotus. I think Kaylee Cuoco is our generation's Meg Ryan, the whole thing. She was a sneak attack for me. Yeah, me too. I didn't really it watch was, that I didn't watch show. that other yeah. show. And so exactly. I was like, wait yeah. a minute. What is happening with this little Goldie Hawn comic genius charm ball who's like really, really good at this? She makes me care about her and she's winning, the definition of winning. So I did stalk her on Instagram and I, or I reached out to Brad Goreski and I was like, could you, um, I know you know. Stylist. Stylist. I know you know uh, uh, Kaylee. I wrote her days ago on her Instagram and she's not looking at it. And then she, he told her and she went and looked at it. We've had a little love fest. It's very sweet. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. See my love for you. Look, feel my love. I have eyebrows now. Look at me. I'm so proud I'm of so them. I'm so proud see? of them and I'm, I'm allowed to be proud of them. You're allowed to be proud of the, your eyebrows and so many other things. Last one is first date. First date of my life. Uh, I think, oh God, I, I dated a, a young little, dated, by the way, I was 12, Ethan Clary. I was mildly, mi- mildly, wow, interesting. Mildly in love, I almost said, but for my 11, 12-year-old person, it was wild in love. And we did the most embarrassing thing. We had a full wedding at one of our little, we got married to one another. We, we did like a little ceremony. It's just outrageous with those little gumball machine rings that we did. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to make out and we invited everybody to come and, you know, check it out to see what our makeout was like. We were real, like, <laughs> really, because we had to never check out our makeout because <laughs> I guess nobody was doing it. And we felt like we could we could inform people about how to do it and, and the best way to do it. So he, we, I think we went to a pizza joint in Brooklyn. But, but mostly I just remember our wedding and I remember my bridesmaids and I remember a lot of those things. It's the only wedding I'll probably ever have. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, if that's too personal. No, like, not too personal. Yeah, thoughts, on, th- thoughts on marriage generally this day and I age? I love marriage. I love the idea of partnership. I love the idea of commitment. I love that. And I love the idea of the ever-changing component of it. And as long as there's like elasticity around it, I feel like, and I don't mean, you know, jumping ship and making out with other people. I mean, allowing for the expansion within the relationship. I think it's a beautiful idea. I just don't know that I don't know that we're going to do that. I don't know. But, you know, never say never. I mean, you've just got to be a little bit bendy. I know. got to be a little bit bendy. And I can barely touch my toes, Laura, literally and figuratively. So I'm learning. But you know where you are, bendy? Everywhere else. Everywhere um, else. Everywhere else. Uh, when I've been, because we obviously started working with Carla Watch, and you have been distinguished for your style over the past few years. What's been like your highlight reel? Okay, so there was a, a Wes Gordon for Carolina Herrera dress that I wore that was silver sequins with a huge puff sleeve, which is really all I care about. It was really beautiful and like a cutout back. And I did this sort of, you know, 
I don't know, loved it. Loved that dress. I loved my Prada Neon Oceans 8 dress more than anything. It was fluoro, like a marker. It was, it was like, yeah, Sandy Bullock was like, you you literally look like a highlighter. I mean, it looks great, but you look like a highlighter. He said, I am <laughs> so, a highlighter. Yeah. I am a highlighter. <laughs> um, that stands out as a highlight for me. Um, I wore something, actually, I wore Calvin Klein. I wore Raph for the post-premiere uh, in DC, that Meryl Streep, Spielberg, Tom Hanks movie where I played Tom Hanks's wife. And it had this high neck and it was like waxed and it was this beautiful blue coat that I wore. I loved that. And gosh, there's just been so many things. I love the pink Valentino that I wore to the Ocean's 8 London premiere, sort of scalloped thing. You're good in I volume. Controlled I like volume. volume. I like to controlled volume. Yeah. That could be your autobiography. Controlled volume. The Sarah Paulson story. <laughs> true. <laughs> I know it's funny because it's because, totally true. I'll ask you this because it's always good. Um, what does badass mean to you? A badass means to me not really giving a damn about what other people think and really, really meaning it, you know. I think it's so hard and especially because we are so inundated with examples of people living their best lives all over the internet that I think it's really hard, which is a sort of natural human battle. The keeping up with the Joneses phrase was coined so long ago for a reason. It's just part of the human experience. But I think now it is so challenging to sort of find ways to have your own sense of self and your own sense of pride in your life and your choices and the way you live it uh, and how you are and how you treat people in the world to let that be the only guide and to sort of turn away the noise of the perceived perfection of the way other people are doing it. I just like the idea of Beaten to your own your own drum. Let's just turn away from that world of lies. <laughs> it's a world of lies. It is a world Speaking of lies. Speaking of world of lies, yes. your career. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what, Sarah Paulson? You're spectacular. I think you're um, spectacular. Thank you for saying it. You are loved by many, respected by as many. Again, your your commitment and the light way you kind of wield it is really quite remarkable. So keep on with that, but don't keep on until you've had a good lie down and a play with the dogs and a snuggle with Holland and um, some time in Los Angeles. And a cocktail with you. And a cocktail with you. Thank you for being on Ladies First First Thank Lady. Thank you for having me, darling. Thanks for joining me and Sarah Paulson. Come back next week for a conversation with our first random man, Tan France. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review and make me feel loved, that'd be great. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Sam Walker, Daniel Roth, Anne Kane, and Andy Bosnack. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrand99. See you next week for more Ladies First with me, LB. Hold up. 